Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 689. If somebody offers you an amazing opportunity, but you're not sure you can do it, say yes, then learn how to do it later. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Andy Reid. Hey, Andy, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, I am, as long as I'm driving. Okay, there you go. I'll give you the wheel. Andy Reid is a certified sports car fanatic who travels the world to see what's crossing the auction blocks. He's written for Grassroots Motorsports, Racer, Vintage Motorsports, RM Sotheby's, Victory Lane, Jaguar World, the Haggerty Insurance website, and many others, and was the auction columnist for Classic Motorsports Magazine for 12 years. He's worked as a marketing director for several auction companies, and Andy is currently the East Coast editor and auction analysis at ClassicCars.com, which is the Zillow for the classic car auction industry. He's also a licensed independent collector car insurance specialist at Haydenwood Insurance, and he is a respected Concord judge and has his own collection of classic cars, motorcycles, and cool collectible watches. So, Andy, I've told our listeners just a little bit about what you're up to these days. Take a moment share a little bit more about your business and, of course, that passion of yours for automobiles. Well, I've always been crazy about cars. I started out the world working in film and television and also working. And then I left that to go to work for Internet businesses, and I did had a couple of successful Internet businesses, and then I decided, what am I going to do next? Mm -hmm. So I started writing about cars. And then as of writing about cars, I'd had a couple cars and then a couple had a couple cars at that point, collectible cars. And then I started doing that more and more and more. And then some things turned up that we'll talk about later. And I ended up in the insurance business. So I kind of put a number of things together to make a business out of cars, be it writing about them, insuring them, offering specialized expertise when people are wanting to buy or sell them, those kinds of things. Absolutely. Well, you definitely are in cars, and as we're recording this show, Andy is literally packing up to go to the Bear Jackson auctions there in Arizona, so um, we'll move along with this talk here. I wish I could go with you. I'm sure it's going to be fun. I've been there many, many times. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that has a great meaning to you and your business and your life and your success, and it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. I know you love to drive, so Andy, take the wheel. Thanks very much. My quote is from Richard Branson, and I actually had the opportunity to meet Richard a few years ago at Gordon McCall's party in Monterey. Very cool. Yeah, it was really amazing. Um, no one knew who he was but me. I'm like, that's Richard Branson. <laughs> They're like, no, it's not. Yeah. Sir Richard, he goes, it's Richard. I said, hey, it's Andy, and ended up converse, having a conversation. Nice. And his quote for me that works is, if somebody offers you an amazing opportunity, but you're not sure you can do it, say yes, then learn how to do it later. I love that quote of his. Yeah, and I've kind of done that with everything I've done from film, from internet, from cars and everything else. So I've just kind of figured it out as I went, and it's gone very nicely. Absolutely. Well, give us an example of how that's worked for you, because you've had your fingers in a lot of little aspects and a lot of great aspects of the automotive industry. Can you give us an example of how that has worked for you where somebody offered you something and you kind of thought, oh, I've never done this before, but you just jumped in both feet first? Yeah, um, a couple of years, about three and a half, four years ago now, about three and a half years ago, 
I was looking for another additional thing to add to my crazy list of jobs. And my friend Brad Phillips from Haggerty called me up and said, hey, you've got an opening now, it sounds like. What do you think about getting involved with classic car insurance? Like, are you kidding me? He said, no, you'd be great at it. I said, oh, okay. He's like, I even know where you should work. And I said, well, perfect. And he's like, it's not for us. It's for this broker in Massachusetts run by this guy named Morgan Duffy. So I went to work, went, went in there. And I said, hey, I'm Andy. He's like, yeah, I'm supposed to hire you. He said, do you like Mexican food? I said, yeah. He goes, you're hired. Let's go to get lunch. And that was kind of it. And it was my second interview with an insurance company. My friend Jim Fisk from Chubb had set me up with a Chubb agency in uh, New Haven. Uh-huh. And I went in there and it was very much office desks and cubes and such. I'm like, wow, this is so not me. Yeah. But when I went to Morgan's office, it was Ferraris on the wall and magazines were sports car and Octane. I'm like, yeah, this is where I need to work. It's yeah. this place, not that place. Yeah. So. Very cool. Very cool. I like that. And Morgan, what a great name for a collector car insurance guy. So that's pretty exactly. fun too. Well, let's go back in time. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you look back at your life and you realize that you were indeed one of those car guys? Without question. When I was about five years old, I had this uncle, my uncle Jerry, my dad brother. He always had crazy cars. He and my dad, back in the, the 50s, had an MGT a TD they drove in Michigan, summer and winter. And oh, wow. Always had, he, and my dad went to more Detroit cars, but my uncle never got away from crazy cars. And so when I was five years old, he had a Series 3 E-Type. And I was with him. He was like, hey, you want to go for a drive? And I'm like, sure. He's like, okay. And we're driving. We drove off. My parents waved, whatever. And then he, we stopped. He goes, okay, you want to drive? And I was littler, pretty small. So he put the seat all the way back. And he worked the pedals and I worked the steering wheel. <laughs> Something you go to prison for now, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Child endangerment. Yeah. You know, no seatbelts or anything else. And so we're going and we went 100 miles an hour. Oh, my and gosh. I said, we're going 100 miles an hour. He goes, yep, sure did. He goes, and don't. Do not tell your mother. <laughs> uh, no problem. I won't do that. And so I came home and I'm like, mom, mom, Uncle Jerry and I just went 100 miles an hour and I got the drive. <laughs> okay. Of course. And he was in trouble. But that, that car, just everything it did. Just, I was like, this is, this is what cars are supposed to be. I think my dad had a Lincoln Mark IV at the time. I'm like, no, no, no. This is what you, you don't want that. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and I just fell in love with it from then on. I was breeding road and track probably from six, seven years old. So <laughs> now, now, how old were you again when you were driving that Jaguar 100 miles an hour? Five or six years old. Oh I mean, my just gosh. Little, really little. But, you know, he, I couldn't get the reach of pedals, but he could put the seat back into the pedals. And I'm sure his hands are on the wheel underneath me. Yeah. But I was the guy with my hands at the two and 10 doing this and it was just it was amazing oh my goodness that is a wild story that's one of the better ones i've heard well andy what i want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down yourself and talk about a big failure or a big challenge you've faced along the way somewhere in your career you've gotten involved in lots of different things so i'm sure if you've kind of run up against something that's been a challenge for you i want you to take us there kind of walk us through that painful story and then tell us what you learned from it so uh Tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your career and your business. Absolutely. Thanks. About four and a half years ago, four years ago now, I, was, I had been working in classic motorsports forever as a writer. The 12 years is a long time. Yes. And I was let go. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I it didn't make a lot of money from it. But I mean, I was like, wow, this is, this is a big deal. What do I do? And so I kind of sat around and thought about it. This is, this is rough. What do I do? And so what happened was I put it out there on Facebook or something. I called some, I called, I called Jeremy Barnes, I think at Mazda and today, and 
know what it is. And Paul started to come in and it was Jim Fisk from Chubb called me and Brad Phillips from Haggerty called me and a couple other people from Haggerty, Clint Sly from Haggerty called me. And they were all pushing me at the insurance thing. And I'm like, wow, this is interesting. And I didn't have a writing gig at the time. I had I was doing some stuff for Vintage Motorsport here and there and doing some stuff from Oct for Octane and a couple other people, but nothing permanent. Um, and it's funny, six months later, I was working in insurance with my clients and friends. And I was also writing, uh, Larry Edsel that, that January uh, cornered me at a Goody and Company auction in Arizona and said, hey, we want you to write for us as our East Coast editor. So I had a full-time gig there. And then I had a couple of, some, some of my new insurance clients wanted to sell cars and I helped consign some of those cars. And it kind of just, my, I went from like, like seven to 11 as far as the volume knob, as far as in the car business in like a minute, it seemed like. So what's your takeaway for folks out there that might find themselves in a similar situation where, you know, they've lost their job or the rug was pulled out from under them or something occurred and all of a sudden they're kind of adrift. What's your takeaway from that experience that helped you move forward? Well, I mean, uh, there's a book, of, there's a there's a series of mystery books by this guy named Bob Craves, who I know that who writes these books about this guy named Elvis Cole. And one of his sub characters in the book, his motto is keep moving forward. And so that's what I just did. You know, I just kind of did what, what do I need to, need to do next? I need to call people. Just not stopping, you know, not being paralyzed with fear or whatever. I, I mean, I've had a lot of things with intramural stuff within the internet business and the movie business where you didn't know your next job was. And just by pushing forward and just keeping walking one step in front of the other, the next thing presented itself. And then just being willing to go, okay, this is a risk, but let's give it a shot and see what happens. There you go. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's one of those moments where you kind of go, ah, here's a new path for me to go down. Talk to us about one of those aha moments and how you turn that into a success. Absolutely. Well, I was at... I guess around seven, eight years ago now, it has to be, uh, I was up in uh, Portland talking to a sports car market about working for a sports car market for Keith. And my friend Rob Sass picked me up at the airport and we were talking and stuff. And I interviewed with Keith and he liked me and wanted to hire me. And I talked to Rob. I said, you know, I'm just not sure about the job. You know, I, I'm not sure this is the right. I, I like Keith. I like you. But I'm not sure this is the right opportunity. And he's like, well, you know, here's the thing. What I, I've always seen you as someone who probably would take a number of different things and put them together into one bigger thing. Like take your, I do auction tours at different auctions throughout the year. And so take your auction tours and your writing and, and somehow meld that into something in addition to that and have wear two or three hats and those two or three hats will create a job for you. And I went, huh. And I, it took me, you know, it took me a year, it took me seven years to get there after that. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm now there. But, you know, it was great advice. I, I just, it was just, I, I never thought of doing more than just one thing at the same time. And right. now I do like four things at the same time. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. Multitasking for sure. Well, both Rob Sass and Keith Martin have been guests here on Cars yeah. So you're all Cars yeah alumni now. In fact, I think I've so, you're my 689th guest. I need to make alumni pins for all these people that I've had uh, the honor of talking to. But uh, great advice and a great direction sounds like. How about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many, but is there one that stands out for you? December 15th, 2015. Well, that's pretty exact. Yeah, well, it starts before then. Uh, in, Mon in 2015 in Monterey, I was in the middle of a Meekum auction tour. And a friend of mine from, two, where I grew up in Tucson, grew up in Tucson, called me and said, hey, 
my sister's car, and this will all make sense of who his sister is in a bit. My sister's car, we're going to sell it, and we don't really know what to do with it. And we're talking to this company and that company and this company. And I said, well, you hear, I said, here's what you should do. You should take this. This is an important car. You should take this car to RM Sotheby's. And he said, well, why? I said, well, because they're specialists are the best. And uh, their PR person is the best person in the business. Amy Christie, who does PR for RM Sotheby's, is simply the best person in our space and one of the best PR people I've ever met. She just really knows how to activate. And he said, okay. And through a number of about seven or eight phone calls, he and his sister agreed to sell his sister who passed away his cars at RM Sotheby's. And they were nervous and everything else, but I knew it would be fine. They see the car turned, but what, what it was, was it's Janis Joplin 64 Porsche 356 SE Cabriolet. Okay. And so we're sitting there on the 15th in the auction season. I'm sitting there with Michael Joplin and his sister. And it gets to be, I've still got the text message. He's sending me texts. It was at like $400,000, which was the low, low end of the reserve. And the high end of the reserve was six. And it gets to six. He's like, oh, he was worried at four. He's like, okay, I'm fine. I said, no, no, it's keeping going. He's like, what do you mean? I said, you just watch. And uh, it's a million dollars. He goes, he sends me a uh, text. Are you kidding me? I said, no, 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 it's not done yet. <laughs> oh, wow. um, and the final sale of that car was $1.76 million, including all fees and such. Incredible. And at this point, I was quiet about consigning. I actually I was only part of the team. Ian, Ian Kelleher at... Uh, RM was instrumental in this for sure, but I was definitely the person that was pushing on the other end to get them to put it there. And it was fun because I got there. And at this point, I hadn't really told a lot of people, but a lot of people have found out that I'd helped make this happen. So after the auction, people were like, can we buy you champagne? Can we do this? (laughs) You know, and, and all, you know, it was like, I kind of made my mark in the person that can find some cars as well, which was in a really big way. And I'd consigned a couple cars before then, my own and a couple other people's, but nothing near in the magnitude of that. Wow. Yeah. What a score. Holy cow. I remember when that car sold. It's just kind of like, whoa. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time. What was your first really special car? That car you finally got, you went, man, I've wanted this forever. And maybe share a memory with us about that vehicle. Yep. Easy. When I was a little kid, I bought this this book about the Ferrari Daytona. And it's, I can't remember the author, which is terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. And it has pictures of every single little detail about the Ferrari Daytona. And the Daytona at that point was my favorite car. I'd gotten a ride in one when I was a kid going to school once. And I just was enamored with this car. And when I was doing one of my first stories for classic motorsports, I was covering an auction and a vintage race, which is now the Kohler at uh, Road America. Mm -hmm. And I'd driven up to Road America and there was a Ferrari Daytona for sale there. And not at the auction, just some guy was selling it for 85 grand outside the auction. And I traded in my car I was driving in money for that car and drove it home. Wow. And it was a, it was like a dream come true. My wife always hated the car. She thought it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And that summer, at my first time I went, it was the first time I'd gone to Monterey to be an auction columnist and all this stuff. So I roll in, I drive across country from, we were living in uh, Northern Virginia, from Northern Virginia to Monterey in this Daytona. Wow. And... It was an epic road trip. I mean, yeah. it was the perfect road trip. I was by myself. You'd stop in like Billings, Montana or some little tiny Wisconsin, Wyoming town. And you'd park it like I parked at like the Marriott courtyard and I'd go inside. I'd come outside and there were like a hundred people around the car every time <laughs> I stopped. And so you answer questions, give rides, all this stuff. I, I got to Monterey. I didn't know anybody. I mean, I was still really new as an auction writer. I think I'd written two stories. And so I 
go to Monterey and I'm like, Hey, I'm go out here, blah, blah. And, and Keith Martin was really nice to me. He, he and uh, Donald Osborne introduced me to everybody mm. and we're really, really kind. And Keith was like, well, how'd you get here? I said, well, I drove my Daytona. He's like, Ferrari Daytona? I said, yeah, <laughs> it's out there. He's like, from where? I went, Oh, from DC area. And he's like, Oh my God, that's awesome. So I went from like zero to hero in a minute oh, with yeah. all these guys. Yeah. And I found myself immersed kind of an equal of these guys in the space in like a minute, it was really fun. And they were, they were really, really kind. They thought it was insane. And I've done it. I've done cross country trips a long time in many, many different cars. But that was the first real fantastic one. So. Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, how about the old tear in the eye seller's remorse? Uh, is there a car you've let go that you really wish you had back? And let's do this because of what cars have done. Let's take money out of the equation. Just. Let's oh, yeah. Forget about that because we could all say, oh, shoulda, woulda, coulda kept that for another 20 years. But is there one car you really wish you had back just for the sentimental reason? Yep. Without even thinking about it. Uh, 1968 Aston Martin DDS that I bought at auction for $22,000. <laughs> and it was silver birch with black leather with AC with a five speed. Wow. And I think the car is on sale now. I sold it because we were moving to Virginia from Arizona. And I, it was my only car. I didn't have a regular, it was my daily driver. Oh, and I didn't wow. have another car. I'm thinking, I can't winterize this thing. Yeah. I, it didn't cross my mind to buy a beater winter car. <laughs> I, I never really had to do that. And so I sold it and I daily wish I had that car back. The car was unrestored and really nice yeah. and original and I think it's $170,000 on offer right now from a place in England. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, we all have those cars we gave up. So uh, you're not alone, yep. my friend. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I know you're getting ready to go off to Arizona for all the auctions there. What has you really excited and fired up here for the new year? Well, we've got our auction tours in Monterey, not in Monterey, in uh, Arizona as well as in Monterey this year. But mm -hmm. uh, I always like doing those because I get to meet a lot of neat people. And it's a lot of fun helping, learning about cars from them and teaching them about cars as well, which is how my tours tend to work. I've also got this newer startup I'm involved with called blockchaser.com and that's going gangbusters. Uh, and it, it's just, it's just growing and growing. It's really a place for buyers and sellers to connect within the auction markets and to learn what their cars are worth based on auction market results. Explain to the listeners what, what is that exactly? Well, what you do is you register for the site, and if you have a car, you can register your garage and kind of effectively build your garage and say, I have this and this and this. And if you're looking for a car, you can say, hey, I'm looking for a 1967 Camaro uh, Z28 mm -hmm. or whatever you might be looking for, MGB, GT, V8 or whatever. Yeah. And you put those lists down there, and if one shows up at auction, we connect that auction car with that, with that potential buyer. On the same token, if people have cars and they're like, Say the guy has, say one of our other users has a 1967 Z28 mm -hmm. and he's thinking about selling it. The auction, the, the proper auction company for that car would be notified that, hey, this is someone, this is a lead for you for this potential car. So oh. they're putting the, basically the buyers and sellers together with not only the auction company, but putting the auction companies in touch with the sellers as well. Very cool. Awesome. Great. Yeah. And there's a lot of other stuff. I mean, the insurance business is growing, and I really like doing it. I, 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 I always say to people, I insure all my friends, and I really do. I really, really like all my clients. And that's been growing faster than I can keep up with it at this point, which is nice. And Classic Cars, we've got the, we've got the second annual Modern Classics Car Show on, coming up on Monday, which is kind of neat. 
And that brings out cars you wouldn't think of as classics that are truly fast becoming classics. So wow. I'm the head judge there somehow. So <laughs> Very nice. No one else would do it. <laughs> well, you've got a busy year ahead of you, so it sounds like fun. Well, here's a very introspective question, Andy. If you were a car, what kind of car would Andy be and why? Interesting. I would say the Volvo P1800. Oh, okay. That's unique. Why that car? The reason for why is because it's got tremendous amount of style. You know, Roger Moore drove it in the Saint. And so oh, yeah. it has all that cool spy era stuff and really, really cool European styling going on. But it's still really accessible at the same time. Mm-hmm. When people see me in public, I tend to be dressed to the nines, but I'll talk to anybody. And, and so uh, I, I like that accessibility combined with the style that it, ah, that it has. Very nice. Well, you put some thought to that. I appreciate that. Well, Andy, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Driving never meant more as the all-new driving adventure awaits you with a not-for-profit drive toward a cure. Combines two spirited drives for a weekend of cars and camaraderie in Paso Robles, California. All to support finding a cure for Parkinson's disease. In a showcase of ribbon roads in California of chrome and elegance, coming up this April 28th. Enjoy some of the nicest cars, people, drives, wine tasting, and luxury receptions while driving towards a cure for Parkinson's. To register or donate, click on drivetowardacure.com or check out Cars Yeah guest Deb Pollock's show notes page where there's links to Drive Toward a Cure. Donate today, or better yet, go for the drive. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at carsyeah.com. Okay, Andy, we're back and we're entering the last lap and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? This is easy. Uh, you've probably heard it before. Uh, it's to buy what you love regardless of it's expensive, cheap, it's going to go up in value, down in value. We just don't care about it. If you love a 1971 Corvette LT1, then you should buy that. If you love a 72 Daytona and you can afford it, that is the car you should buy. And you shouldn't really bother with the market because you always will have that car you always wanted. Absolutely. I always tell people if the market tanks or something, at least you have something you love. You don't have to worry about it. Exactly. That speculative market seems to be what's uh, driving everything crazy these days. So I know it drives me crazy because there's so many cars I can't have anymore because the prices have gone through the roof. Exactly. 
Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Absolutely. Uh, I would uh, say that I'm, you know, people say you're, my life drives her crazy. I'll talk to anybody about anything. And <laughs> I just like people and like talking to people and getting to know people. And that's grown into friendships and business relationships and what have you. But I'm, I'm willing to talk to anybody regardless of how they act, look, or whatever else especially at a car event, because there's always a common interest. Yes, absolutely. That's a lot of how Cars Yeah! podcast came to be. I, too, enjoy talking to people and learning about them and their cars and their businesses. So we share that trait. Now, how about a resource? Is there a resource, one or two out there, you think the Cars Yeah! listeners should tap into? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of websites, lots of things like that. But the one that really works for me over the years is the people. Um, I mean, I think about my friend Trent Abbott, who was my first insurance client, and his, before that was a friend for years. Uh, my friend John Mikas, who I've done a couple, we're doing a couple books together. Just the people I've met, Tim Sutter, who gave me my start writing about cars at, at Classic and Grassroots Motorsports. The list of friends I've got, my friend Matt Ivanow, who's a broker and runs a car storage facility, and we've been on car adventures together. The people I meet are my, you know, if I have a question about something about Aston Martin, I can call my friend Don Rose and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you know about these? And he knows everything. It's right. better than any website could be because it includes the positives and the negatives. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, this car industry is, it really is about the people versus the cars. Uh, lots of great people in the industry. Now, if you could have a drink with one person in the automotive field or industry or hobby, living or past ceased, who would that be? Well, this one, I'm going to go way outside the box. I have a real James Bond problem. Uh, <laughs> I, I collect Bond stuff. I've got a Bond Z3 BMW edition, Z3 edition BMW, yeah. uh, signed books, the whole the whole nonsense, watches, clothes, <laughs> all of it. And uh, it would be Ian Fleming, oh, who yeah. people don't think of as a car guy, yeah. but he truly was a car guy, um, had really great cars. Yeah. Well, you know, that's really cool. You answered that way. The first, what I call real book my parents ever bought me, where it was like a hardbound fancy book, was an Ian Fleming book. And it was about a car. Do you know what book that might be? It might be Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It might be. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've told people that Ian Fleming wrote that and they go, what? He wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? I'm like, yeah, definitely. So he was a car guy. Still have that copy. Yeah, it's kind of a little tattered because I read it over and over and as a kid. Very cool. Ian Fleming. Yeah, that would be very, very nice. And speaking about books, is there a book that you think our listeners should read? Yeah, it's actually a book that was made out of a bunch of columns that Road and Track did years ago. And it's called Road and Track's Used Car Classics. Mm. And it's been out of print. It was printed in 81 and then in 87, 88, somewhere around there. It's still available to use. It's probably five bucks. But I used to read that column in Road and Track. And when I got the book, I read the book. And what it does is it profiles all these different cars and talks about why they're, why they're neat and why you should like them historically. Then it talks about what the problems are with them. And then it talks about what they are like behind the wheel. Mm. And I have to tell you, I've probably bought 20, I think there's 56 or 60 cars in that book. I probably bought 40 of those cars based on those stories nice. of those cars from that book. In fact, my friend John and I are doing an update to that book with Bentley Publishing, our own kind of a version of that book coming out in the next probably 12 months, uh, basically a modern take on used car classics. Because it's, the idea is that they're affordable, and most of these cars in this book are no longer affordable. Right. So we're going to kind of backtrack and go, okay, what's still affordable and what's become affordable? What's new that's coming up soon. Oh, so. very cool. Well, let me know when that book's available. I'll make sure I share that with my listeners. Sounds fascinating. Absolutely. 
Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources on Andy's very own show notes page at carsyad.com slash Andy Reed. And there's another great place on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where uh, I'll post this book and books recommended by the past 688 guests are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. There are hundreds and hundreds of books listed there. It's really a fantastic resource. Just go to the Cars yeah website, click on Resources. All right, Andy, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one very cool collector car, I'm sorry I said one, in your garage, but money's no object. Today I'm going to raise my bidding paddle high and buy you whatever you'd like. What would that car be, and more importantly, why? Well, it's the 1964 Aston Martin DB5, and it's VIN number DB5 slash 1486 slash R. <laughs> it's owned by my friend Harry Yegi, who's a collector that many people know. And it's the James Bond car from Goldfinger and Thunderball. It's the movie-used car, not the PR car that RM sold like nine years ago, but the one they sold in London about five years ago. Ah, uh, okay. And I don't need to probably explain why. <laughs> no, I think we know all now. All the bits work. <laughs> and I've driven it. I've sat in it. Harry and I are pals. And uh, it's just, to me, ticks every box I could ever have. Uh, I would think so. Was that car on the lawn at Pebble Beach one year? I think it was. I don't remember, but I think so. Yeah, I remember a car, the Bond car, and I remember it sitting along the waterway there when they had Aston Martin was a fe- one of the featured marks. And I remember a guy, it had all the little doodads and gadgets, and he had the phone. He was sitting on the side, talk, pretend like he was talking on the phone. I might have even taken a picture. I'm wondering if that was, was uh, his car back then. But, uh, oh, my gosh, well, you picked something special. I think that deserves to be in your collection and in your garage. So... <laughs> I'll see what I can do to land that car from your buddy. Yeah, Harry knows. He's, he's fundamentally aware. I'm going to see him this week, and uh, he's fundamentally aware that he owns the car I've wanted more than any other car. Yeah, so we well, about uh, it a lot. yeah, hopefully he can. Uh, has, has he let you drive that thing? Yes. Okay, cool. Perfect. Well, the dirty secret is that it doesn't, it's got 400 extra pounds in the trunk, and so it doesn't really drive awesomely because of the weight's yeah. wacky. Yeah. But it's just so cool. Yeah. Well, from now on, when I address you, it will always be Reed. Andy Reed. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Well, Andy, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you head off down the road in that DB5? Yeah. I mean, what I've done my whole life is to do what I love be it when I was in film, when I did internet stuff and not doing car stuff. And I think if you do what you, if your, if your avocation is your vocation and then you do what you really love to do in, in life as a career, if you can make somehow make that into a career, then success just happens. I mean, it's just, in, it's inevitable. So uh, that's just what I've always kind of gone by. Absolutely. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you and learn more about what you're up to? Boy, lots of places. Classiccars.com on the news and the news tab. I've got a story. I've got a story or two every week. Blockchaser.com. I'm in there every week as well. And for insurance, you can go to Haydenwood.com. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, I will make sure that links to these sources are up on Andy's show notes page at CarsYeah.com. Just type Andy in the search bar, and that page will pop up. Check out what he's up to. I feel like I'm old friends with Andy because I've followed his writing for years and years and years. So. So excited to get to talk to you today and share your stories with my listeners. Have a great time in Arizona, and uh, hopefully you'll come back with something fun. 
Andy, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your automotive experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Great. Well, thanks, Mark. Thanks for the great questions, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.